0: Welcome to Blunt Blowing Mama podcast. I'm your host, Shanitria, and this is a podcast about all things cannabis and parenthood. Yep, I'm a mom. I got two kids. I'm 31 years old and I got a man. We've been together for over eight years and I decided I'm going to do a podcast And I'm just going to talk all about weed and being a mom. (laughs) So that's what I'm doing. That's been really great. That's been really fun Then I started interviewing people and just some people who are doing really dope things in the cannabis industry. And I said, you know what? Next, I want to talk to you. So I put a call out on Blunt Boy Mama's Instagram page and I heard back from so many of you guys who were interested in being on the Blunt Boy Mama podcast as a guest and share your story. And now this is for you guys to hear. I cannot Fucking wait for you guys to hear these women, these moms, their stories. You're gonna be blown away. This is so good. I'm not even gonna talk anymore. Let's just get into it. Welcome to season two of Blunt Boy Mama Podcast.
1: My name is Amanda. I'm 30 years old and I live in the suburbs of Baltimore in Maryland. I grew up pretty much just around here. I I lived in New Jersey actually until I was a preteen, 12, 13ish and then moved down here and that I feel totally changed the trajectory of my life if you want to go back that far. But yeah, no, it's Maryland is great. I have a really good medical program, which is important. It's it's a nice state t- visually. <laughs> um I've lived in Florida. That wasn't very fun very hot, and I'm not a heat-friendly person, I guess you could say. I am um, married to a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful man. We've been married for almost four years on Halloween. We'll have our fourth wedding anniversary. We have two incredible (laughs) boys. They're almost five and two and a half. I struggled for a word to find I struggled to find a word to describe them because if you're a boy mom, you know what having two boys five years old and smaller can be like incredible is a very all encompassing i feel term for who they are as people. I met my husband actually when I was living in Florida the hottest place on earth and I was actually I met him when I was 4 months clean off of opiates. I had lived in a halfway house at the time and he was just totally cool with that. He was like, "Oh, wow, just that's just don't do it again, I guess, and that's fine with me." And it was sort of he never left me alone after that. And that's how I tell people our romance happened. He just never left me alone. He never left. He never left me alone. So <clears throat> I grew up with strict mm, is a a gentle word, I guess. Parents, They I uh, strict not in the sense of you're not allowed out past eight o'clock at night. You can't have friends over, but just strict and it was a very mentally controlling environment. I didn't feel. The freedom to express any thought or feeling I ever had because my earliest memories of childhood are of just getting upset and you know, emotional, and my dad yelling at me to stop crying, Why are you crying? Why are you so upset right now? As he's yelling at me, asking me why I'm upset, and it was some, yes, most of my early memories are just of having to repress feelings for one reason or another, whether it was for, you know, my own benefit to not have to deal with the, uh, I don't, I don't want to say repercussions because there weren't really any on, you know, in an obvious way, but it was all internalized. So it was a very, it was, it was on the outside. It looked great. And that's the, I feel a huge problem is that everything always looked great from the outside, and then on the inside it was just nothing but turmoil it was covered by a rug that everything was just swept under so and it was uh it was hard because i my my I have a, i have a sister who is half my age and her and my mom have a much better, much more ideal relationship. She can talk to her about things. She's allowed to feel things. And I feel like that's due in part to the fact that I became an addict and they were like, oh, we messed up here. We're we're just going to do it over rather than repair the damage. They just figured we have other kids. We'll just We'll just raise them right. And so one of my biggest anxieties of having kids and of being a mom is that I will somehow emotionally stunt or repress them somehow just by, you know, inheritance. I I feel that's, it's like a genuine fear. And I mean... I tell my kids I love them so much that my younger son, when he was, I mean, barely speaking at all, his like first sentence was yeah, which is "I love you." I tell them so so much that they tell all of their friends, "Oh, I love you. Do you love me? I I, I love you. I love you so much. Can I have a hug?" Like they're just very affectionate, overly affectionate, probably as a result of my over nurturing nature because I never had it. My dad was in the military, so I feel like that's probably no no hate uh, on military, but generally most military dads, military men are more afraid, in my experience, of emotion. And he he de- he never left militaries within the military. It was always brought home. So the rigidness, the um yeah, this the rigidness was a uh a huge 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 uh, I don't know what the word uh, influence on my on my youth. And I can see that in me as an adult now. I'm very rigid in certain things and it drives me crazy. <laughs> and I hate I hate the idea of passing that on, but I do all the things I can to not pass it on. And I completely honestly feel like the only reason I'm capable of doing that is because I use cannabis from pretty much the minute I wake up until, yeah, I fall asleep at night. (laughs) There was, I remember being in seventh grade and It was the first time I had – I mean, I took the D.A.R.E. program in fifth grade, and I – I mean, I don't really remember much of anything before seventh grade. Like, my memories aren't as clear, I guess, because that's when I moved and my new quote-unquote life started, and I just – yeah, I just sort of tried to make better memories to erase the crappier early ones, but – Uh. I, in seventh grade, was the first time I ever heard of drugs that were not marijuana. And I, I honestly can't even explain to you how sheltered I was because I thought things like heroin or ecstasy were just different variations of weed. No one had ever been like, okay, if you're ever offered heroin, it's probably going to be in a powder form. You should say no to that. Instead, it was all drugs are bad and you should never do them. Not differentiating, you know, why it's bad. Just don't do them. Okay. Yeah. We don't like them. People who do, who do drugs are, are, are all crackheads. You know, if you, if you, it was just not a thing. I remember being 18 when I had first started smoking weed and it was like life-changing. I was like, I'm 18. I have a car. I'm going to do whatever I want. And my mom being like, you're on drugs. I can see it all over your face. And I'm like, even at 18 when into this is 2007. So weed was still like pretty taboo um, for the most part, like in, in, in rural areas of where I hail. And I just remember thinking like weed isn't even a freaking drug mom. Like, but obviously I'm not going to say that because that would be self incrimination. And I know what my parents are like. And if, in 2007 at the age of 18 they were like oh my goodness amanda is smoking weed they would have probably sent me off to rehab 5 years sooner than they actually did <laughs> because that's their that's their viewpoint we- weed is dangerous it's horrible it's the it's it's the most terrible thing you can do and i remember when my parents found out about my actual drug addiction that i hid for years from them, I just straight up said, well, I'm not going to stop smoking weed. And my dad was like, yes, you are. And I was like, okay. (laughs) That was like literally the end of that conversation. Okay. Just, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's what you think. (laughs) But they, so they have no idea, honestly, now that I've been a patient for almost two years. Well, we don't we don't speak anymore, obviously, because of the all of just the, the everything from the culmination of everything as a kid, just 30 years old. I can't take it anymore. And I deserve happiness in my life. But they have no idea that I'm a patient. And I I know for a fact they would take it as a personal dig thinking that. Oh my goodness, she's out doing drugs again. Oh, it's a, it's it's just to get back at it. Like they still think of cannabis as basically heroin, and it's insane, <laughs> insane. Yeah, it's I don't I do I like what year is this? <laughs> it's yeah, no, it's bad. <laughs> It's it's scary that people are still so convinced that it's like the, the green antichrist. So I remember the first time I ever smoked weed. It was September 28th, 2007. And I'll never forget it because it was the day of my friend's Sweet 16 birthday party. I had gotten to her party. You know, she opened her presents for me and my friends and... I got a text from a girl I had met a few months prior, and I, I met her at a, a gay club. I went with a gay friend of mine, and he, she tagged along, and I was, I was like, okay, cool. This is, she's so pretty. Like, I was 18, and I was. You know, I trying to figure out who I was as a person, and I I had like this instant girl crush on her. And so when I got a text at my friend's birthday party that she was like having a sleepover, do I want to come? Like we're having, you know, there's gonna be beer, blah blah blah. Like come, it'll be fun. I'm like, um, hell yeah, I'm coming. Like this is this is gonna be amazing. I'm. She was like this alternative girl, you know, piercings and mohawk and. I knew it was going to be the most lit night of my short life so far, and the we got I got there, and she lived in the middle of nowhere. I had to drive forty five minutes to this girl's house in uh, basically Pennsylvania, and she, the girl who was supposed to be bringing beer, wasn't going to be there until after midnight, and it was only like. 10 30 and we were all getting antsy and bored and so the girl's like well do you guys want to smoke a bowl um and everyone's like yeah yeah and i'm like dude i have never straight up never smoked weed in my life like i don't know how to do this and they're like that's no problem like we'll show you blah 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 and i'm like okay and they pass me the bowl and i'm like guys like i'm watching and like i still like legit can't figure out like what you're even doing with your hands like like where do i put them what do i do what what is my wh- why are you moving your thumb like that like i i was just so convinced i was going to burn my entire face i was going to go up in flames like i was so paranoid <clears throat> and i remember thinking when the girl I don't remember what her name was, but I remember when, when she said, well, I've got weed. I immediately, my first thought was, oh my God, like I'm in a room full of people and they've like all got drugs on them. Like that's how, that's how sheltered I was. And I, in, in, in seconds later I'm going to, I was like, am I the kind of person who's going to do drugs tonight? And it was, yeah, I guess I am. I, if this is, if this is drugs, I'm going to do drugs tonight. And it was like instant when I was like, these aren't drugs. This is like just give me that again, man. Like it was like instantly, like every every anxiety I had ever had about what people thought of me, because I was insecure my whole life. Like every anxiety I had just melted away. I was able to be like, dude, press your foot against mine and wiggle your toes. Like it'll be so funny. And I previously never would have said that out loud because I know for a fact people would have been like, dude, this girl is psychotic. Why would I ever in a million years want to wiggle my toes against yours? But I feel like anybody who is listening to this knows as a person who uses cannabis that wiggling your toes against somebody else's is probably hilarious. And yes, you want to do it. And I will just never forget that. I laughed that night for 45 minutes straight. I still don't think I have ever beat that record. And it's been 12 years since I ever smoked for the first time. I laughed for 45 minutes straight. It was 3am and we cooked these two massive sheets of steak fries and devoured all of them in like record time. And it was just still to this day, like top five best night ever, like easily. And I don't think, I don't think anything, weed has improved so much in the last 12 years. And I don't think anything will ever get me as stoned as that weed in that girl's basement that night. Because it was, it was like magic. It was just like a a whole, like a door opened in my brain and that was it. That was I never i I can't remember what the world looked like before knowing that there was like just something there th- that would make it better all the time. It's not dangerous. it's not not scary like it's not what everybody makes it out to be. It's not <clears throat> it's I'm way more afraid of the Zoloft I take every night as opposed to like a massive bong grip that's probably going to like have me coughing for 20 minutes. Like that's pleasant in comparison to the side effects of anything else I could take to make me feel like a normal person supposed to. So I, I, if I had a time machine and like, or like a genie and three wishes or whatever, I would 100% always choose to go back to that night because it was like, the night I would just love to see myself doing it as like watch 30 year old me watching 18 year old me get high for the first time. Like I I would pay money to see that. It was it was amazing. Like I all like I just wish ever it was like I felt like I was in Eric Foreman's basement. Like on that 70s show. And I, I had I had never even watched that 70 show up to that point. So that's how good it was. I felt I it made me feel like I was in like an Ellen Page movie. Like the girl who played who played Juno. Like I, I, just the whole vibe of everybody there. It was like an indie movie. Like oh, it was amazing. Ah, oh, oh. I think that's that's why I love sessions because it, it it reminds me of that like old school like 2007 type all sitting around and just laughing and telling stories. Like I don't. <sighs> Yeah, just uh, nostalgia almost. And so after that night in her basement, I remember it was the night, ne- it was that was a Friday night. And I remember Saturday afternoon, I called her and I said, Hey, quick question: Where would a person like myself be able to acquire some of what? we consumed last night because this is 2007 and everybody thought that if you talked about weed in a text message or on the phone that the feds were immediately going to come find you they were they were just waiting they were just searching for your location waiting for you to say something about something illegal and they were going to come get you So you had to speak in code because everyone was paranoid. And so where could I acquire some of what we consumed last night? And she came over to my house and we sat out on my out back of my my parents old house. They had a basement door that led to some stairs that you could walk up, but it left you completely hidden from anybody who was looking out their back window. And so I was like, we're going to sit down here. We're going to put an umbrella up so no one can see our faces. <laughs> and we're going to smoke this weed in the, like sitting on these steps. And so, th- so there's no scent in my house. Like little did I know that the smell of weed literally dissipates in like 20 minutes. Um, and it was just like from then on a literal, just everyday thing for me for the longest time. But in 2000, 2000- well, I, I say every day, And I mean every day that it was available because 2007, we did not have the availability and access that we have in 2019. Um, To acquire cannabis in 2007, you had to make a series of about 17 phone calls and you had to get in the car with a complete stranger who you have never met. You have no idea where this weed is coming from. You have... No idea about anything. And it's just such a sketchy situation. Just you risk your life. You literally risk your life to buy $15 worth of weed. And it blows my mind. Like I'm so thankful for the fact that my kids will never have to know the struggle of driving around like the literal middle of nowhere to. A lone trailer, like, (laughs) no, they won't ever know that. They won't ever know that. And I can't tell you, I mean, I live in the literal middle of nowhere. And I can't tell you how many nights we had to drive to a further middle of nowhere. So, like, nowhere nowhere with no cell phone reception like mapquest printed directions sometimes not even printed we had to handwrite them after you know looking at the at the computer screen and handwrite them on a notebook pe- paper and just to go acquire a very small amount of weed and obviously over time it got easier as you know you make more friends who smoke you know you learn that <clears throat> there are different strains or different there it 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 doesn't all look the same like it it blew my mind it really did i remember i worked at a hotel i was 19 years old i worked at a hotel and i had a guest come in who was like you look like you like to party you look like you like to smoke smoke some weed and i'm like ah uh, officially i can't say that that's true but between you and me because you look like a dude who likes to smoke some weed yeah that's true And yeah, he was just like a super nice guy, and he, um, just like rolled me a joint, uh, like to smoke after work. And you know, he had. It was the first time in my life I had seen uh, an amount of marijuana larger than three point five grams. He had like I think a half ounce in a ziploc bag, and I was shook. Like a half ounce of weed in two thousand eight, two thousand eight. It was now. Was I mean like that might as well be like a kilo like that it's insane that was an insane quantity and ah it was just it yeah it was it was like everything I was oh I was like in love with just the idea that you can you can have more than like a day's worth on you ever at a time oh it was amazing and then just yeah years and years would go by I had Entire groups of friends who we had nothing in common other than a mutual love of Mario Kart and like smoking blunts. Like (laughs) I I spent an entire summer sitting in um, an apartment with my with my friends playing Mario Kart obsessively, like competitively aggressive competition and just smoking weed nonstop and that summer a uh, a uh, a nickname that lasted 10 years was born for me you know it was like memories that i'll never forget all centered around smoking weed together and it ever like I, that that one night in september like it it changed everything i will never ever in my life be like I, I I can't ever imagine life without it because of that, just because of the fact that for so long, everybody I knew was just, yeah, this is like totally normal. And it it's so far removed from what I grew up with, thinking that, like, oh, my goodness, if you smoke weed, you're you know, it's 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 crazy that. One night, just one night and like six girls like completely changed everything for me. And I think I follow one of the girls on Instagram and like I like I'm so awkward and I wouldn't even know how to phrase like a a, a thank you message. Like, hey, dude, thanks for thanks for smoking me up for the first time. Like you you made my life but like that's that's creepy. And I, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> I basically almost exclusively at this point in my life have friends who also smoke weed, use cannabis, however you want to phrase it. Um, Whatever makes you more comfortable is how you can interpret what I'm saying. Um, I I can never figure out the language of it because to me, it's always just going to be like smoke weed every day. But (laughs) 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 I... uh, yeah, I it's such an integral part of my life now that the concept of having a non-420 friendly friend is, I can't even entertain it. <clears throat> my uh, My son has a friend whose mom doesn't smoke and it's very hard for me to find things to talk about with people that don't Center in some way shape or form around cannabis like I I'm like, oh you don't have a medical card well let me let me just explain a few things to you. Have you ever suffered from any type of medical ailment ever because if you have you could totally get one and make your life a lot better like that's just it's literally what I tell everyone who doesn't smoke and obviously my parents my whole yeah my parents don't know and if they do know, they have never said anything to me about it. My my younger sister knows, but I uh, don't really. I'm I'm at this point estranged from my whole family willingly, so they don't need to know. Uh, you know, it's not it's not important. But every friend I have made in the last two years, like since I started smoking daily regularly again, have been. Because of cannabis like uh, I I have I've never been part of a group of friends before I I've always been that awkward person on the fringe of every group you know click of friends like in high school and It's just so crazy that now at 30 years old, like I finally have like a little group of friends that's like a, like a, like a family, like a friend family. It's, it, it blows my mind. And it's all because of a plant, you know? Like, even if at the end of the day, we don't like any of the other same things or we disagree on other things, we all have a love and respect for a plant in common. And that is. I, I feel like a bond deeper than hey who's your favorite band and I, I oh it's it's amazing like having it's just amazing like the just the fact that a plant has opened up so many doors and introduced me to so many people because like a plant you know like I always every time I meet a person I think of this one tweet from yoko ono in 2009 she said all people who come to us are angels in disguise carrying messages from the universe and i think about that every time i meet a person because there i i just i just feel like all because of a plant like i i i have like just like this i i i I can't even put it into words right now like i'm just like so overwhelmed like just like with like gratitude for a plant you know what i mean like it's it's crazy um so so if you don't know now you know (laughs) that's on 420 i i i guess you could say came out as a as a smoker on on facebook by just updating my bio to if you don't know now you know with a with a leaf next to it, just hoping that, you know, if, if anyone didn't know now they do, they could put two and two together. And that was like my, it was supposed to be my subtle way of like telling my parents, like, Hey, I'm a grown woman and I'm going to smoke weed every day. (laughs) (laughs) No one ever said anything. So like that just shows either a Facebook is really dying or like, I am not important on there. (laughs) Because I, I no one has said like, anything. It's been up there for months. I haven't changed it. And I'm just like waiting, but things are so tense anytime I have to in- have an interaction with anyone in my family that I feel like that it's not gonna get brought up. It's It's a very long story, but it boils down to narcissism <laughs> on my dad's behalf, favoring my older brother my older brother has been verbally and emotionally abusive to me my entire life. And they have always just um, sided with him. Like uh, it's always been like, Oh, Amanda, you're just, you're taking it the wrong way. You're, you're, you're taking what he says to you the wrong way. You know, you're, he didn't mean it like that. Like, I mean, he didn't mean to call me fat, you know, like that. I'm pretty sure that's very intentional, but, Okay, you know, it was it was always just oh, he didn't mean to or oh, that's just how he is. It was always defend, defending him and last year I had I was so sick. I was sicker than I'd ever been in my entire life. I had a middle and an outer ear infection on my left ear, so I had swimmer's ear and just like your standard run of the mill ear infection my ear was swollen like four times its normal size. It was it was massive. It was I was in so much pain. I couldn't even chew cuz my ear was so swollen. And it was my mom's uh birthday party and my mom is like terminally ill. She has uh COPD and emphysema as a result of smoking for like 40 years. And so I being the good person I am, thinking you know, paranoid thoughts as I do was like, I know I'm sick, but this could be her last birthday ever. So I have to go to it, you know, like what kind of a a daughter would I be if I didn't? And I went, I made it a point to go knowing that I felt like shit. Like I straight up felt like I was, I was dying. I like, I almost had to have surgery on that ear just to repair the eardrum because it was blown out from the infection. And I had gone upstairs to take a nap, because um, I was on Percocets for the pain uh, at at my parents' house, and my husband woke me up to tell me that food, like dinner, was ready or whatever. And there was some stuff there he thought I could eat. Everything by the time I was finally able to hobble down the stairs was gone, and I had asked my brother <clears throat> for I, I don't know I don't honestly remember exactly what happened, but he came back with a very very rude remark for no reason and I very calmly very calmly I don't know how I maintained my composure said could you please just not be a dick today please like please and I got yelled I got screamed at for asking him politely to not be a dick my dad came in screaming at me Oh, if, 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 if 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 she doesn't have a birthday next year, I'm never gonna forgive you for ruining this one and I, I literally have not spoken to him willingly since He like he told me and my husband and my kids to get all our shit and get out of their house because I ruined her birthday so it was it was a whole mess a whole mess and he refused to apologize to me for months. And eventually I put my foot down and was like, look, I'm not coming to your house. Stop inviting me over for dinner. Like, You need to fix what you screwed up. And I never would have had the balls to do that if it were not for cannabis. I would have just lied down and taken whatever they would say and do to me for the rest of my life if I had not found a plant that gave me confidence and uh, you know a, an ability to assert myself it was like the, the the freest i have ever felt in my life when i you know said fine i'm leaving and i'm never speaking to you again and so we don't we don't talk anymore <laughs> i i I just I don't know how you can ever say to your child that you'll never forgive them for for something completely out of their control. I mean, just imagine seeing your child in the worst pain of their life. Like I mean, I've had two C sections and this ear infection blew I would rather have a third baby cut out of me, like right now. No, no like I, I would I would seriously rather do that than ever have that infection again. I was in horrific pain. And it was just, like, not even just kicking me while I'm down, but, I mean, like, kicking me and, like, letting me fall off a cliff while I was down and just, you know, watching. So it was – I think I've finally driven the point home that they're they're never going to see me again. <laughs> and that, like, that's – that is, like, such a good feeling to know that, like, I have, like, the full power over – Who I allow in my life. And I never thought that before. I always just figured like people are in your life, you got to wait till they leave. And I'm not doing that anymore. (laughs) And that's like, I feel like I, I turned 30. And it was like, that was it like I immediately stopped taking shit from anyone and I I maybe it's like a superiority thing like oh I'm older than everyone in this room I'm 30 and you're only 27 but (laughs) maybe it's maybe it's a little bit of that but I feel like um yeah like it's like a like a powerful decade like big moves (laughs) It's crazy. Like I don't I was like afraid of turning 30. I was like, "Oh, I, I'm going to feel so old." But you know what? I have the same amount of gray hair I had like 8 months ago as opposed to 6 months ago. So like really. And I mean, I I've lost so much weight since I in the last 2 years, like since I started smoking regularly that I am in less pain than I've ever been in my life. Or at least in my adult life, I'm in less pain. Like I'm able to do things. Like I, I'm less depressed than I've been ever as an adult. Like as a result of the fact that I can just freely medicate myself whenever po- I need, whenever I need to. Like and I can I can tailor it to specific moods and needs. Like it's all. Oh what a time to be alive. <laughs> So when I, after my second son was born, I waited about six months to start smoking again. I was really, I was breastfeeding and I was so anxious because he has a heart defect. And I was so anxious that for some reason, if I smoked weed, he was immediately going to nurse and get super stoned and his heart rate was going to go sky high and it would explode. And I would Have to live with that. And I would, I had such bad um, postpartum OCD that I could like vividly see it happening and it kept me away from it for much longer than I really should have let it. And I remember the night, the first night I smoked, I just like, when he woke up, like I didn't cry. Like when he woke up that night, like for me to come put him back to sleep, like I wasn't upset about it. I was like, okay, I'm just, that's all right. I'll just go back downstairs when I'm done and like eat something. It's fine. Like it was the first time in the seven months that he'd been alive that I was like, "It's fine." Like it was the very first time that my brain finally like shut shut up and and let me just say, "Yeah, this you know he's a baby. He wakes up." Like I was not able to do that, and it started with just. You know, I'm just going to smoke a bowl at night, you know, to unwind. And then very quickly I realized, you know, I could probably smoke a bowl before he takes his morning nap and like, you know, maybe take away some anxiety for the rest of the day. And it wasn't, I wouldn't even have to like smoke the entire bowl. It would just be like one puff here and there. Like I would pack a bowl and it would last me all day. It was, it was incredible. I wish I had the tolerance I had in, in 2017 and it, yeah, progressed. Like I just, you know, realized like I feel so much better. Like if, uh, if I smoke, like I, I, I didn't have like the anxiety of, oh shit, like the house isn't clean. You know, I haven't done the dishes, I haven't done the laundry, like because I have, you know, I'm a stay at home mom, so I feel like that's my responsibility. Is by four o'clock when my husband gets home, like that stuff should be done, because realistically, like what's my excuse? You know, I'm sitting home all day, like I should have it all done, and I would have so much anxiety if I didn't have it done, and. I, it made me feel so much better, you know, that I could smoke and be like, okay, you know, like I couldn't do it all today because, you know, Kian was crying or, you know, Oliver needed me a million times. Like it it, like helped me forgive myself, you know, that I I was not a superhero. And it, it, yeah, I I realized that if I could be kind of stoned at like four o'clock when he got home, like you know uh we weren't going to be fighting about anything we weren't going to be you know bickering i i wasn't going to be overly sensitive to something he said and have to go upstairs and cry for 20 minutes like it it was like magic like i could cook dinner and like not like break down in the middle of it because i didn't have time to do the 17 other things that i had to do and after i got My medical card, my husband got me a recommendation for my birthday. It was so romantic. After I got my medical card, I obviously was able to get a variety of of things for specific ailments or times of the day. And when you have access to medicine like that, you, I mean, it's like a buffet. You know, you you want all, all the weed all the time. So I would... I mean, I did my first dab just over a year ago now and it was magic and I immediately was like, you know what? I think I'm just gonna like save flour for the nighttime. So I would say now I probably smoke only wax during the day and I will I will take my first dab at nine thirty, ten o'clock in the morning. And with my coffee, it's like a, I, I think the term is hippie speedball, but I hate saying that because it's so, you, meh, but that's, yeah, that's like, that's my, that's my morning. A little, a little dabble do ya? a little coffee will do ya. And at once the kids go to sleep is when I bust out the big girl, the big girl and flower it up. I, that's my favorite thing to do at night is just they go to sleep and I pack like bowl after bowl and I just get like ridiculously stoned and watch stand up comedy. And it's like, that is, you know, some people like to paint their toenails. Some people like to uh, drink wine or I don't, I don't, I don't actually really know what other people like to do for (laughs) self-care. I just like to smoke a few bowls and laugh so hard that I pee myself. Because you you know after two kids, what especially one who weighed like twelve pounds, you, you ain't you ain't holding pee for too long. <laughs> it's just not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so back in two thousand fourteen, when I decided I needed a baby right now, my biological clock was ticking, ticking, ticking like a time bomb. Um I was as straight edge as they came because I had been brainwashed a little bit by um, the recovery industry because it is an industry. it's not you know it, it by I had been brainwashed by it um by being convinced that if I were in fact to decide to smoke cannabis again, if I were in fact to decide to indulge in a few beers or something. I was immediately going to be out on a street corner looking for crack even though I have never in my life smoked crack. That was just that was what they had convinced me, not necessarily convinced me, but it, there was a stigma attached to it in the recovery community that I just didn't feel like dealing with. So I I didn't smoke at all for my older son. He is a He has never had a droplet of THC come near him. He could probably use it. That's a story for another time. But (laughs) I, uh, so I, I I did nothing with him. I, and I looking back wish that at least after he was born, that I had had the opportunity or like the open mindedness to smoke again because it was just the most horrific time in my life. I was so depressed and alone. Like, I lived so far away from my, you know, horrible family. I had, it felt like no one. And like, if I had been able to sit in my apartment and like at least smoke a bowl with a newborn, like, I probably wouldn't have wanted to stick my head in the oven as many times as I did. But instead, it was one of those things where I just slowly progressed into like a, a like a a state of constant like anxiety, and I don't even. I think I at some point transcended depression into a state different than that, where you exist without feeling anything. Like you don't really feel much joy or excitement or sadness. Even you just. Okay, I'm living and I have this is my to-do list and this is what has to get done today and you just you just exist. It was it was a super lonely time that retrospectively I should have really enjoyed because I was engaged, you know, we were planning our wedding, you know, I had a newborn who was like super cute and and I I I don't remember <clears throat> any part much or much of my older son's first year because I was just like trying to stay alive. Like I was, I was on this terrible, like, low carb diet, you know, trying to lose weight for my wedding. And like, I, you know, I had a C-section, like I had just no forgiveness to myself. Like it was, it was a horrible, horrible time. Like I was doing nights at hair school all day long. I was with the baby. Like I, I had just no time to myself and it was like slowly driving me insane. When well, my husband and I were on our honeymoon in Mexico, we decided you know, we missed our son. We were oh, I want another baby. And I was like, Oh, if you get me pregnant right now, like maybe we'll miss him less. Like it was it, I don't know where the logic came from, but I was like, I miss Oliver so much. Can you just knock me up again right now? And he was like, No, that's a terrible idea. I will give you a lot of reasons why instead of doing that, let's pick a time where we think it's best to try for a second one rather than just doing it now on our honeymoon in Mexico, like drunk off of feelings of missing our son. (laughs) And so, you know, we planned for the second one, you know, we, we decided, okay, I want you to get me pregnant in June or July, no later than that, or else we're just aborting the mission. I, after we, we moved back from Florida, we moved from Florida to Maryland in March of 2016. And I used to be really like best friends with one of my neighbors. And he was like, Hey, you should like, you know, co- totally come by and smoke sometime. Like ask your husband if, you know, he would, if he would mind if you smoke, you know, whatever. Cause I, I, I knew at that point that I wanted to again you know i had been thinking about it my back i my back was in like some horrific pain a few years ago i have no idea why i think it was just like physical maybe manifestation of depression because sometimes that happens you know you don't feel depressed in your brain but your body will just ache and ache and ache and i was like maybe if i smoke some weed like maybe my back will stop hurting and you know my husband was like sort of like on the fence with the idea but you know he was okay with it as long as like it didn't make me he's like just don't come home acting insane like or or whatever i just remember i went over to my neighbor's house and i sat in the basement and i i hit this this dude's bong one time and i was like you know i think i need to go home and be a mom now It was like nine thirty at night. My son was asleep. Like I think I need to go home and be a mom now. I went home and made a grilled cheese, and I was standing there cooking it, and I just started laughing hysterically. My husband's like, "What is so funny?" I'm like, "Absolutely nothing." Like, and that's what's great right now is that absolutely nothing is funny, but like I feel the urge to laugh, and I had I hadn't felt like that in so long, and immediately I was like all right, I'm just going to call him tomorrow and ask him if I can buy some of his weed because I don't want to not like feel like this. And I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have a piece or anything at the time. And I just was looking around <laughs> my house for items I could smoke out of. And I opened the fridge and I was like, oh my God, we have apples. I'm going to make an apple bowl. And for, I mean, for at least a month, I smoked out of an apple, an apple a day. Because I was I was too I I don't I I was just paranoid about like oh ordering a a bowl for myself. Like, oh what if what if the male lady knows what it is? Like I like she would care. I'm (laughs) like she would actually care at this point. But and it was yeah, immediately I I started smoking again. And it didn't exactly line up with the timing of wanting to have a second baby very well. Because that was literally like a month before I was like, hey, you're going to knock me up again. And I, so I didn't, it didn't, I didn't find out I was pregnant with him until the middle of August of 2017, or no, 16, 2016. He was alive in 2017. And I had, I had just bought like an eighth, uh, maybe two days before finding out. And I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to smoke this until it's gone and then i won't smoke anymore because that it was yeah i was i was afraid of it like i i had read on mommy forums like oh if i have if i have thc in my system are they gonna call cps on me and it was just so much bullshit drama that i didn't feel like dealing with that i was like you know what i'll just wait and so when I had my first appointment with my doctor, I was like, I didn't want to admit to actually smoking cannabis. I was like, so you're going to find THC in my system because a neighbor friend of mine actually makes edibles. And and I was like, I was like just trying to cover my own ass, like if they were to question it, like, no, I would never actually smoke it. Are you crazy? No, I just ate it in a brownie form. And <laughs> And I, you know, that was, that was it. I just, you know, smoked the rest of that eighth, which in 2016 lasted me two weeks. <laughs> it lasts me two days now. And I smoked it until it was gone. And it was, I was so sad after it was gone. Sad. I was like, what am I going to do at night now? Like what I, I got, I have like, you know, I, I'm not just going to cook ramen noodles at 10 o'clock at night, not stoned like that that's definitely not in my plans. So like I got to find a hobby and then I started watching Dexter and it was like the worst decision I ever made. Like I would recommend smoking weed while you're pregnant over watching Dexter while you're pregnant any day. Cause it, it ruined me. I it ruined my faith in serial killer shows. If you've never watched it, don't waste your time. Worst decision, worst decision I ever made. but then so yeah after he was um after he was born I was I had full plans of having weed waiting for me at home after he was born full plans like I you know had texted my neighbor I was like look I'm gonna be having a c-section on April I think it was supposed to be the 16th or something can you have some weed waiting for me like I just really want to smoke when I get home and I know I'm going to be in a lot of pain. So like, I'm kind of going to need to like, you know, I tried to try to like, you know, make it, you know, seem like legit or whatever you want to say. And he was like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. But it ended up, I ended up having my son two weeks earlier than I was originally supposed to because my fluid was low. Cause I had, I had gestational diabetes with him. So I was going in for ultrasounds and non-stress tests two times a week. And so there was really like, even though I really wanted to smoke while I was pregnant and I knew it was totally possible and like, okay, I was just, I had so many appointments and I was being watched so closely that it just wasn't worth it to me. And so I went to the hospital on March 31st thinking oh they're just gonna send me home right after because I'm gonna be fine. I was here two days ago and my fluid was fine I was fine he was fine. I get there and they're like, oh you're having him today you have only four centimeters of fluid I'm like oh that's that's really inconvenient that's though no, I wasn't planning on having a baby today. Uh, like, <laughs> like I, because you know I had a C section scheduled. So when you have a, a scheduled date set, you're like, well, that's the day. Like, literally, nothing can happen baby related before that. Like, there's no chance of him arriving before April fifteenth, sixteenth, whatever it was, because it's scheduled. It's it, it, and so it has been written. And there were no. He's got other plans. Like he, you're having him out today. I'm like, oh well, shit. You guys know what? I had breakfast. So actually you can't cut me open until like at least four o'clock. So I got the time. Like I was like totally trying to be like, Oh, it's not that big a deal. Like no matter what you do, I, I, you can't do it right now. Like they're like, Oh man, that does complicate things. Like <laughs> you did eat. Well, you're just going to have to lay here until like four thirty. Is that cool? Like, no, it's not cool. <laughs> and I just, I, I was like, like, to be honest, smoking again was the last thing on my mind. But then I remember sitting in the hospital with my husband later, like, you know, man, this really throws a wrench in like my like post baby blunt I wanted to smoke. Like this really, really complicates things. And so I, I had been fully planning on formula feeding him because breastfeeding did not work for my older son. And so I was like, Well, this is not gonna work for him either. So I'm just um you know, right on, right to a bottle. I'm not even going to let him come near my boobs. Never going to happen. Oh, how naive I was because when, when they brought him over to me and this little, everybody newborn baby who was just, you know, crying like a suckling pig he was, you know, trying to, he, like, nurse, like, the air. And I was like, oh, my God, he needs a poop. Like, I need to give it to him right now. Like, I, it was just <laughs> it was just the most ridiculous, like, change of heart I think anyone has ever had. Like, I was waddling myself down to the operating room. And they're like, um, are you planning on breastfeeding? And I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Like, I, you know, it's kind of like time to make a decision. I'm like, he's still in me. I can, I can wait. <laughs> like, I was like, you know, this morning, I thought I still had two weeks to decide. So like, you you know, this isn't my fault. This is your guys' fault. <laughs> You're the ones telling me I have to have this baby today. If maybe it was tomorrow, I would have, a, I would have an answer. And so, yeah, it took me, it took me six months to be like, yeah, I'm going to smoke again. and. I, yeah, immediately, immediately changed, like, everything. Like, I was resentful of the fact that breastfeeding was working so well, because I didn't feel like doing it anymore. And then it was, like, immediately, like, after smoking, I was, like, you know, I'm just gonna do this as long as he wants to do it. Like, I'm never having other babies. Like, this is the last time I'll get to, like, do it right, per se, you know, because there's a there's a right and wrong way in society viewed to do things with your children. And I figured if it was my last kid, I wanted to do what society said was expected and breastfeed him. Like it just seemed like I had to, I need, I, I, I felt like I would have had too much FOMO, you know, thinking like, Oh, I, I, I probably could have breastfed him, but I didn't. Oh, I didn't. Cause I was, you know, and then I would have beaten, beat myself up for it for the rest of my life probably like oh i was just selfish and didn't want to try like so i i'm obviously just like i'm just gonna do it it's working and it, yeah it, it was like instant after smoking i was like the relationship i had with him changed i was like like he like legit like loves this and needs this like he's a baby and yeah all because i all because i got high because i got high because I got high. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you ask, if you ask me why anything in my life is the way it is right now, I'm just like, because I got high. Like just like just like Afro Man says, like, <laughs> yeah. My my other kid isn't very relevant towards weed. Like he didn't, you know what I mean. Like weed was so far removed from my life, that there's like not much to talk about in regards to him. Like. He was like I, I labored with my older one, but like not in a way that I mean, well, I I did I was induced with the older one with my older son and um my doctor was um uh, my doctor uh you know allowed me, you know, induced me and didn't warn me at all that ever having a C section was a possibility, you know, she had no idea that my son was actually going to be closer to 12 pounds. Like she told me days before he was born that he was only going to be about eight. And here I am not even able to get him into like, you know, into my pelvis because his head was just the size of a four-year-old. Like I, he's, I think his head is still the same size it was as a newborn. He, uh, I was induced and, you know, she casually walks in after 27 hours of labor and like a worn off epidural. Like, yeah, you know, I think we're just going to have to go ahead and do C-section. No big deal. You know, we'll just get squared away real quick. And I mean, I like lost it. Like That was the end of the world for me because I had never even considered that it was a remote possibility. I never entertained it at all. Like I was like, I'm I'm going to birth this baby the way nature intended. Like, I'm going to squat in a forest. Like, I was like, I'm going to do this. Like, I'm woman, hear me roar. And they're like, no, we're going to, you know, cut you open and extract your child from your uterus and then hope that we put everything back correctly. And that was like, I, I, I like lost it, lost it. And I, um, you know, finally calmed down enough for them to like, you know, bring me in, slice me and dice me. And my heart rate had gone up so high after he was like, removed, born. I mean, after they pulled him out, um, my heart rate just spiked so high. And they had to give me ketamine to get it to lower but I, being a recovering, recovering, I mean, however you want to say it, addict, felt a very familiar sensation come over my body, and I looked at the anesthesiologist and I was like, "What did you just put in my back? Like, what did you just put in my epidural?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, your your heart rate got really high. We had to give you some ketamine to." bring you down. I'm like, "All right, guys, I'll see you in a little bit." Cuz I knew exactly where I was going and no one had prepared me for it. I had just had a baby and I was like spiraling very fast into a k-hole. And if you have never taken ketamine, uh, good. Um you're a better person than I am. And it, it's a very intense dissociative trip where you don't feel like you're inside of your body at all. And if you're not prepared for the fact that that's going to happen, shit's going to get weird. And shit got weird. I The ceiling, I'll never forget it. It was a drop tile ceiling, I think it's called. And I was just looking up at it playing uh, Candy Crush on the tiles because I was I was so tripped out and unprepared. And I'm just playing Candy Crush. And like, I had no idea where my son and my husband were. You know, they weren't in the room anymore. All I heard, the only thing I truly remember about when he was born was my doctor yelling, Oh my God. And me panicking. And I'm like, What? What's wrong? And she's like, He's huge. I'm like, bitch. like and that's probably why my heart rate went up so high because she scared the living shit out of me and she's like oh my god yeah i was i mean it was scary like i was tripping balls and i had no idea where my husband or my brand new baby were and you know the the, the doctor i uh, i i i don't even remember being stitched up or anything i have no recollection of anything about his birth after like he they left the room i have a picture of me uh, they were wheeling me back into my room and i have a picture of me that my husband took and I, rem- I remember him saying, hey, see, see, you know, smile, see cheese. And me being like, what? No, don't take my picture. I don't have any eyebrows on because I don't I don't have eyebrows on. I have I don't have eyebrows. I have to draw them on every day. And I'm very self-conscious about people seeing me Well, less self-conscious now that I'm older. But I was very self-conscious at the time about people seeing me without eyebrows. And for some reason, I had convinced myself that during the C-section, my eyebrows were removed. Um, I don't know where that logic came from and that uh, I didn't want any pictures being taken of me, you know, permanent evidence of me without eyebrows. Um, and I said, no, don't take my picture. I don't have eyebrows. And he goes, what are you talking about there? You still have your eyebrows on. And I'm like, no, no, I don't No." He's like, yes, yes, you do. Like, really, really? I have eyebrows. You know, if I have eyebrows then take my picture and show me like take my picture and show me like the 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 preview of it which is backwards logic obviously don't take my picture but take my picture to show me that you can take my picture and i just have this picture of me looking absolutely insane and the best part about that whole conversation was that it never actually happened i imagined the entire thing leading up to that picture being taken like I look back at that picture and I remember the whole story and he's like, dude, that never happened. Like I literally told you to take a picture and you were like, huh? And that's why you look like that. And it's it, it's 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 terrifying because I don't remember anything about, you know, his first hours. Like I nothing. Absolutely nothing. I just remember I got back to the room and being like, Oh, how much does he weigh? And they're like, Oh, he's eleven ten. And I'm like, Okay. Like, you know, I was just so out of it that I had no, like, I couldn't even be enthusiastic about the fact that I just had a baby. You know, I was in labor for 27 hours or whatever it was before that. And, you know, I had an unexpected surgery. Like, my whole body was exhausted. Like, I truly didn't even get to bond with him like in like the beginning like it was all i say he imprinted on my husband because you know they have such a close bond now and i you know blame it on the fact that i wasn't able to be the first person to cuddle him and hug him and kiss him and my husband was and it's it's a weird thing to like live with. And even though both my kids were C-sections, I made it a priority to be like, look, I want to be coherent. I want to see him as soon as possible. Like, you know, with my second one, like I want to put him on my skin, like all the things possible that like you would do with a vaginal delivery. Like I want that access because it's, it's not fair. You know, it's not fair that they have to get taken away. Like, unless there's obviously something wrong and, you know shit happens but for a perfectly healthy baby like it doesn't make sense to just whisk them away and like it was it was traumatic you know with my first one like i was just so afraid that like i was gonna have a c-section and he was gonna be taken out of the room and i would have no idea where they were and it just like because i was panicking not knowing where my first kid was with my husband and my the the second baby the, the the doctors i had were leaps and bounds better than the terrible terrible doctor I had the first time and you know they made sure like are you okay are you comfortable like we were laughing like I was like talking and laughing like while having surgery like it was a completely different experience and I when I was told that I had gestational diabetes and that meant that I would most likely have to you know, have him by a certain day, I was devastated because I knew that I wouldn't get to have like a V-back. And that was like the end game. I was like, well, I, I, I'm not actually a mom until like, I have shot something out of the VAT cannon. Like I was convinced, like I was just like a failure and literally just having like a much calmer, like nicer experience with like a a a loosely planned c-section like i knew it was happening i just didn't know what day wasn't expecting it that day i just knew it would happen um you know i still got some of the excitement of oh it's happening it's happening you know i I felt like closure with it sort of like i mean i truly think i had ptsd after going into a k-hole you know having my first baby and then I the, the experience, like, truly of having a second one in a calmer, like, controlled environment was, like, so healing, I can't even, like, begin to express it. I mean, I'm just glad I had done ketamine prior, <laughs> like, recreationally, because if you had never done, if I had never done it, like, it probably would have, like, sent me to the nut hut, like, for real, because it was, like, it was so scary to just be laying there like oh man this is the level of candy crush I was just playing on my phone and it's on the ceiling (laughs) like it was it was so weird yeah I like yeah the I have like so many resentments like built up about everything about my first pregnancy and it just I can't I you know what I mean like I can't go back and change it so it's like not something that like I really like harp on anymore because like I'm done having kids you know like I don't want anymore I don't need anymore I can't handle anymore <laughs> um oh so I it was I I kind of looked at it as like I you know I have no choice but to be okay with however the second one goes like it, It has to be. It it can't be worse than the first one. So I, I feel like that's probably the only reason that it didn't, it didn't bother me because it wasn't as bad as the first time. So, I was in denial for a very long time after my second son was born um, about whether or not I had any type of postpartum mental things going on. I don't honestly know why because i'm very much the kind of person to be like hey if you're sad talk about it but you know you can you can preach that all day long but when it comes to practicing it it's completely different i was i was like everything in my life was like crumbling because of the fact that my brain was not what it was before the second before he was born I was so angry all the time. I was screaming at everyone. Like, I mean, I was, I don't even want to say, I don't, I don't want to say suicidal because I don't think I ever had any intentions of doing anything to myself, but it was more just, I don't want to be here. I don't want to exist here. I don't want to, I don't want this. I just want to disappear type feeling. Like, not even I not even the feeling of wanting to die but just ceasing to exist and I was in denial about that for a long time like oh I'll feel better like once he once he weans himself you know I'll have uh, my hormones will level out and I'll be normal again and and like I just kept trying to blame everything on hormones like oh it's it's just you know I'm I'm crazy because my boobs I'm crazy because my boobs but like really I was like like on the brink of like a severe psychotic break that I don't think I could have come back from. And eventually I, yeah, I just like got sick of it and like feeling like that. And I like emailed my doctor and I was like, look, I need, and I was already smoking at this point and I will fully support cannabis as someone's medicine because obviously it is medical, but, there comes a point where like you have to swallow your pride. Some people do and admit, you know, that you need to replace the chemicals in your brain that aren't there that need to be there. And weed is great. It can mimic um, the chemicals that you need in your brain, but it doesn't actually replace them. And I had a very hard time coming to grips with that because I was like, Oh, well if I can smoke weed, everything will be okay. Everything will be okay. Everything. And it, and it wasn't and I felt like such a hypocrite for saying it would be. And then you know, being like, Oh man, I, I need Zoloft on top of this. And so I had emailed my doctor and just been like, Look, I'm still nursing. Um, I kinda wanna stick my head in the oven, so could you maybe give me some Zoloft? And she's like, Yeah, no problem. Here, just start with this much for a week and then, you know, in another week take this much. And I felt like shit for a week. I felt like I wanted to throw up and like, even, even smoking like was not doing anything. I felt horrible, but it was, I was like, you know what? I'm going to give it, give it a try. See if I feel better. And then I did feel better. I felt a lot better. The, I, I, yeah, I feel like who I am supposed to be, you know, after being on Zoloft for like a year and a half or whatever now, like I feel like a normal person. Because Zoloft and weed, I feel great. I feel like a, yeah, normal. Like normal is the best word I have for it, which is all I've ever wanted in life it was just to feel maybe normal. And cannabis, the one thing it does that Zoloft cannot do for my brain is I, since I was ten years old, have had terrible, terrible OCD. I don't. I didn't realize until after he was born. And it manifested like, like in just worry, worry, worry about him all the time. Like you know, like I said, I was afraid that if I smoked weed, you know, it, it would cause his heart rate to go up and it would explode, and I would, you know, have. I, I mean, I could vividly see it happening, and all of like these intrusive thoughts I was having were just centered around him and like worrying about him. And I realized like that's that's literally OCD and. That has been the center of my brain since I was ten years old, and I remember it because when I was ten, for some reason, I just felt like this urge, and it to when I was walking side by side with like my mom, I would have to be walking the same stride as her, so we'd have to both be walking like left, right, left, right, or I would. I, I I don't even know what I felt at the time, honestly, in my brain, but like I just had to do it. it just it just did not feel right if i if we were walking opposite or or just out of sync for whatever reason. And it like just continued on in like little you know aspects for my whole life. And all of the times where I was primarily just smoking a ton of weed. Were the only times in my life where I remember not having like a uh, an obsessive tick. Now that I have I have kids, I, my my I don't I, the 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 thoughts aren't are, are are quiet. I guess from from cannabis, I don't have so many racing thoughts about horrific things happening to everyone I love, which is like not a symptom I would wish on anyone. Well, maybe like one person, but like. it's not something that, you know, I think that anybody really needs to go through. But I I am still kind of rigid in routine, which is like a a huge, like OCD trait. You know, I'm very, I, I love my, I don't, I don't love my routines, but I feel like my routines keep me like in, in, some sort of control. But even, even, even things with cannabis are, are a routine and a ritual. Like there, there's, when you're taking a dab, you know, you have to heat your banger for however long. And, you know, it's a whole process. You know, I wouldn't, when, when, if, if I'm going to smoke out of a bong, like I thing has to be nice and clean. Like I, it's a whole ritual and, and I feel, like, feel peace from it. And, I, when I really think about it, all of my favorite rituals are now involving smoking because it's like a relaxing thing. Like there's, it's, it's really relaxing to like break up weed, roll a joint when it's only for you and you don't have to impress anyone with how it looks. Like, (laughs) so my kids obviously know that I smoke. My older son, because they go to the dispensary with me, you know, I'm a stay at home mom. There's only so many hours in the day. And to be quite honest, I hate going to the dispensary when it's busy. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I will go at the least busy times possible, and bring my kids if I have to, rather than go when it's busy and be by myself and have to wait. So I'll bring my kids at 11 in the morning to go pick up weed at the dispensary, so they 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 know. And when when you know they're like, "Mommy, where are we going today?" I'm like, "Oh, we're gonna go to the medicine store, and then we're gonna go to Target, and then we're gonna go to the playground." Like <laughs> it's just. Yeah, like it's just you know, and in, in like a, it's literally just part of life. Like it's just a place that grownups have to go sometimes. Like you have to go to the medicine store, you know. I've, I've, it, it's just totally like like normal to them. Like they will literally never know any other way of life, and like that's how. I'm not gonna say that's how it should be, but like there should I don't think ever have to be like a. I don't think any kid should ever have to grow up thinking that like crack cocaine is a strain of marijuana. Like that's not a a mindset. I I feel like anyone should ever have to be exposed to. Some of us were, and we made it out just fine. But uh, that's not to say that it was easy. <laughs> they yeah, but they they'll they'll always know that it's that it's medicine. You know they they know what what it looks like from the from the time like from before it even grows until it's you know processed into something like they fully understand sometimes like oh mommy cooks these these brownies or meat these chocolates and they're they're medicine ones like i can't eat that like they they fully get that it's like a grown-up thing like my if I have if if something if I I'll carry like my uh my wax pen in my pocket and there have been times where you know I've sat down on the couch and it's like fallen out you know in the in the the crease and my son (laughs) pick it up with tongs or a grabber like mommy um you you this he doesn't even know what to say about it he's like you this this is over here uh I don't know what you want me to do with it I'm like, oh, that's just my medicine thing. Like, don't be afraid of it. Just say your medicine's over here. Like, <laughs> it's not going to hurt you. Like, it's it, it literally cannot hurt you. Maybe if you drop the thing on your toe, I don't. It's pretty heavy, but <laughs> that's the only way it can hurt you. Like, don't be afraid of it. Just tell me it's there. <laughs> I have a lot. I want to say I don't say a lot, but I have had several mom friends who were. Uh, apprehensive, I guess, is a better term um about cannabis at all. You know, I have a friend who has, you know, shared custody with of her daughter with her, you know, with her ex, and you know, she was afraid that she's like, if I get my medical card, is am I gonna get in trouble with chat? You know, blah blah. I'm like, no, like. It's literally you're you're literally able to get a medical card, like for that reason, for the fact that you, that way you can't get in trouble for you know treating yourself. Um and like just to not like don't be afraid to smoke weed. Like like I have I'm I'm just very vocal about it now. Like I will wear <laughs> cannabis merch out. Like I don't I don't I don't care. You know, I have a my purse is a big canvas satchel that I have pins all over. Weed pins. I have a Snoop Dogg pin. I have a Biggie pin. Like, if you look at my purse, you're like, oh, that's a that's a down mama. Like, <laughs> you're like, I wanna I wanna go on a play date with her. Like, just I feel like it's it's a responsibility as like a mom who smokes weed to just make it as normal as humanly possible. Like, if you're gonna come to my house with your kid, I'm gonna ask, hey, do you um. Do you want to smoke a joint with me? You know, you want to go out on the deck? Like, what do you want to do? This is weird just sitting here watching them play. Like, they can, they're, they're five years old. Like, they don't need us. Um, and, you know, just don't be afraid to, like, ask somebody, like, hey, you want to come over and smoke while the kids play? That's, that is... I can guarantee you that if you said that to another mom who looks like she might indulge in weed every so often, she's going to be your best friend. Like, She's going to probably divorce her husband and want to marry you instead. <laughs> like that's that, that is how you make a mom friend. Like that's it with weed, you know, just, in, I just feel like it's important to, yeah, be vocal about it and like, make it oh make people aware that like you're not doing something wrong you smell weed coming from my house like okay me too i smell it too like that's cool like don't say anything about it who cares you know don't mind your business <laughs> that's, that, that's that's the best advice for people who don't smoke is mind your business um, <laughs> But those aren't, those aren't people, those aren't the negativities that you need in your life. <laughs> That's a very hard one for me because I don't like to step, I don't like to step on the toes of like other moms. But if a, another mom were to say to me, like, you're doing a bad job because of the fact that you, because because of anything that ha- like if, if, if I were to be told that, first of all, she probably would tuck her tail right back between her legs and crawl away after I verbally rip her apart. But if you want me to be nice about it, <laughs> because you don't come at me attacking my skills as a mom or a joint roller, <laughs> you don't, you just don't. I would, you know, it's. It's just important to me I feel to explain to people who disagree with my lifestyle that I disagree with theirs just as much as they disagree with mine. I disagree, you know, with with not smoking just as much as they disagree with smoking. Cuz I'm I'm not I'm a very non-confrontational person and I am a little bit passive aggressive. And my primary means of trying to convince somebody that their opinion is incorrect is like underhanded, like song lyrics or something. So (laughs) I don't really know how I would tell. I don't, I think I would just play the very end of the next episode, like smoke weed every over and over until like it became a mantra for them. (laughs) i I don't i i'm sorry that one i don't i don't really know how to answer that because i don't i don't like to interact with people who don't smoke (laughs) so i i wouldn't really be i wouldn't really be telling them anything like you know what i mean moms who use cannabis are literally just moms who are a lot cooler than other moms um like i per- okay my kids have great imaginations and i attribute that 100 percent to the fact that they will ask me a series of questions of why does this do this or how can this do that and i i always have a solution that i feel like no other mom has thought of before You know, for building forts or, you know, what have you, because it's just like that little extra bit of creativity. Like stoner moms are fun moms. And that is, those are facts. Stoner moms are the most fun moms that you will ever encounter. Stoner moms can get up in the morning after being out till 2 a.m., you know, with their friends. Stoner moms can get up at eight in the morning with their kids and be ready for the day because they're not hungover. Uh, a stoner mom's night out is can be as simple as going to a friend's house and smoking a blunt and watching a movie. You know, that's a there is never an inhibitance in in our ability to conquer the world. Like, you know, we're if you're just stoned all the time and you're not drunk like wine moms, <laughs> you know, you there's there's never that that stoner moms will always have snacks stoner moms will always um have bottled water for you always i have never without one stoner moms are always down to do fun things and maybe regular moms are too but we're just like really enthusiastic about how down we are <laughs> i honestly feel at this point that i would have like no actual like life outside of have of, of being a mom if it weren't for cannabis like my entire social life like was born because of the fact that i made an instagram with a a, a witty name about smoking weed like it, it it has like literally transformed it like completely in in the last even year i've been smoking weed on and off for the last 12 years but in the last year it has like turned everything around and i attribute that entirely to the fact that you know the medical program here is as good as it is, and you know the gray areas are very gray, and we're able to have our get-togethers and what have you. Um, like I, it has like opened so many doors. Like I, like fingers crossed. Like hopefully, you know, I I will be entering the industry officially soon. You know, it. I have very big plans in, in mind for when, uh, Maryland becomes recreational. You know, I have, I have a whole, whole like brand and everything planned out. Like I'm like ready to go. Like it is once, if I could just be in a legal state or this could be a legal state, my life would like I'm like living my best life like because of because of cannabis like I just have like this overflowing like gratitude lately for all these people in my life like that I get to look forward to seeing like you know it's some it's a break from the everyday just uh sitting here raising kids wiping noses making snacks like driving a minivan like it's yeah like cannabis gave me that like it truly gave me like a life that I never thought that I would have because I historically have been you know uh, I, a loser, you know what i mean like the 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 person on the fringe and it has taken me from being a person who is scarred by that you know traumatized by years of loneliness to being somebody whose social life is so full and overflowing that I bought a planner and like I have things written in it in, every weekend until Christmas you know what I mean like I I literally overnight it feels like went from somebody with no plans ever nothing to do to um you know I got to be here at this time and this time and this time I'm doing this with this person on this day like it is like I finally feel like I'm living the life that I always like deserved to live if that makes sense like that I've been fighting people my whole life to live you know I have gorgeous kids I have a wonderful husband who loves me who I love I have a house a minivan cats I'm really good at drawing on my eyebrows I have like literally everything that a person could like want and it's like all like I feel taking off for me all because I smoke a ton of weed yeah he he is fine with me smoking as long as um it doesn't get too expensive (laughs) basically he he doesn't like the cost of it but he much prefers to spend the money than deal with what I'm like otherwise (laughs) because I'm just I'm not I'm not as like fun of a person like I have a great sense of humor but like if I am not in a properly medicated mindset I get very overwhelmed and overstimulated with noise and like just sounds and if there's music going and my kids are making noise and I'm cooking dinner at the same time and like I haven't had a chance like to smoke before I've started doing all of that like it's very overwhelming. And so it's basically just better for everyone involved like if you know you just let me smoke real quick like just just give me 5 minutes I'll be fine. Like you know he's he would much prefer that than the before. I'm like a sour patch kid. With uh, you know, first I'm sour and then you smoke me up and I get real sweet. Like, <laughs> <laughs> i I have, like, my biggest, like, issue I think I have is the fact that, like, cannabis is not a drug. You know, like, it can be used as one, but it is not one. And it is a very, I feel, outdated mindset that you can't recover from an actual addiction and still be a person who uses cannabis. Like, you absolutely can't. And there is absolutely nothing. I have never in my life sat down, smoked a bowl, and been like, this is nice, but you know what would be really good? The mess. Like, that's never happened. And I just, I really just wish that, like, that could be erased. You know what I mean? Because it's, I have definitely lost contact with a few people who. Like from like the recovery world, who are like, oh, you're, you're using, you know, because I I am a medical patient who uses medical cannabis. You know what I mean? It's, it's just a very very like still, like, medieval mindset. Like it's a very like medieval mindseted community, of, you know, you can't ever use cannabis if you've had a drug problem and it's not true <laughs> it's not true at all living proof like back when I was like super depressed like after you know the second my second son was born like there were times where I was like man you know it'd be really cool if I could just go get some of, like that fentanyl heroin and like you know overdose and it would be real quick because there have been times you know what I mean where I'm because because that's a huge problem in like the Baltimore area is that most of the heroin here is like tainted and people are like dropping like flies like our county literally has a uh an overdose tally in front of the police station like for the year and like how many people have died because it's so bad here yeah no it like and it's and it's so easy to acquire that it when 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 you are in a mindset of literally just wanting to escape in any way, shape or form. Like, yeah, like that is very appealing. But the fact that I can go downstairs real quick and just like hit my pen or a few times or, you know, smoke a bowl. It's like those thoughts are gone as quick as they happen that way. I I absolutely think that Certain language in certain recovery programs needs to be completely rewritten with the with like the progression of cannabis because it's so outdated. It's so outdated. My name is Amanda. I am a mother of two boys and I am a badass mother puffer. <laughs> that's that's like that's like the line i like that that was like meant for like my my username (laughs) (laughs) is that is that is that lame is that like a weird like self-plug or like what like i don't know (laughs) (laughs) like
0: Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Blunt Boy Mama podcast. This is season two. I am so happy to be bringing this to you guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I can't wait for you guys to hear next week's episode, which will be airing next Thursday. Yeah. <laughs> If you like what you're hearing, then you should definitely share this podcast for a friend, for a cousin, with a family member. Uh, and if you really feel in it, you know, if you like it, then you should leave a review on it. <laughs> if you like it, then you should leave a review on it <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. That is where you are able to rate and review this podcast. If you enjoy it, I would love that. Thank you in advance if you are, which I know you are. Doing that. (laughs) Also, follow Blunt Boy Mama on Instagram. Follow Blunt Boy Mama on Twitter. Follow BBM Clothing Line on Instagram, which is Blunt Boy Mama merch. That's where you can shop it, buy it, cop it, tag me in it, tag BBM Clothing Line in it, and get featured on Blunt Boy Mama's page. Yeah. Check it out. You guys are already loving it, but I love it too. So, like, Of course you guys are going to love it. I would not be giving y'all something that's like shit. It's not shit. It's the shit. It's dope. Some dope ass merch. So you should definitely check it out. And you can also like Blunt Boy Mama on Facebook. You can become a Blunt Boy Mama patron by clicking the link at the top of the page on bluntboymama.com backslash podcast. Y'all, you know, I'm high. <laughs> and once you do that, you'll see a link at the top of the page. It says page that says click here to become a Blunt Boy Mama patron. And there you can sign up and for as little as $2 (laughs) and you can get up to three extra episodes of the podcast a month. You get shout outs here on the podcast. You will also get free merch. I mean, need I say more? You're able to communicate with me directly. Come on. So it's a really, it's a good deal. And at the end of the day, you know that you're supporting a Black woman's podcast, a Black mom's podcast. And it means the world to me to have the support of the patrons i do have thank you so much you guys and i appreciate all of you guys' support and everything and all the love and all the messages i read them all Um, so thank you so much for all of your support thank you for listening until next time bye